This is Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Primal Screen is about movies, from the ones on the big screen to the ones you stream. Hope you enjoy the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. Hello and welcome to Primal Screen, a show and podcast all about screen culture, from movies on the big screen to whatever you're streaming. We are broadcasting tonight from the Triple R Studios on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation. This is and always will be Aboriginal land. I'm your host, Flick Ford, and on tonight's show, I'm spotlighting some of the gems in Melbourne's local film community. I'll be joined by local legends Coco Wallace from uh, Language Warning, Fuck Yeah Films, and later on tonight, Lee Gambon from from Cinemaniacs. So here in Melbourne, NIF has indeed finished up, or at least uh, the in-theatres part of the festival. Uh, MIF Play is still running for another week. Um, and for me, the festival uh, really highlighted how lucky we are to live in a city that values cinema and is home to so many talented filmmakers, reviewers, academics and, and general film enthusiasts. Um, So film societies and screening groups are such a fantastic way to celebrate cinema, especially underground, obscure, art house or experimental films. And often they're low cost, sometimes even free, and they're nearly always passion projects. I am a proud board member for Melbourne Cinematheque, which is a not-for-profit film society. It's volunteer run with screenings every Wednesday and we're currently showcasing the work of Douglas Sirk and we've got a fantastic double scheduled for this Wednesday. Um, we've got All I Desire at 7pm followed by Imitation of Life at 8.45pm. And you can either purchase annual membership or you can get just a three film pass. So if you'd like to know more about what Melbourne Cinematech do um, or to book in a season, you can head to melbournecinematech.org. Um, I'd also <laughs> recommend listeners check out their local public library for film screenings. I work at Yarra Libraries and we've always got lots of free, free film screenings, so make sure you check them out. Uh, we have First Thursday Films, which focuses on foreign cinema, and we also have film screenings every month in the Richmond Theatrette, which feature um, a really eclectic mix of films. And last week, I had the pleasure of speaking with director Rick Chernowski, um, and he's doing a special event at Miscellanea this Wednesday night, which is in collaboration with the local film group Dog Milk Degustations, and that's titled 25 Years of DIY Filmmaking. Um, entry is just $10 on the door, and I'm going to be there, so do drop by. And finally, I suppose one of the other ways you can connect up with the local film community here in Melbourne is if you subscribe to Triple R, because then you also have an opportunity to join us for special subscriber screenings, um, often before the films even come out, which is a nice little treat. Um, Our last screening was Jordan Peele's wild sci-fi western Nope, which just got released earlier this month. So if you'd like a chance to come along to these screenings, Uh, Simply subscribe to Triple R and keep an eye out for any upcoming screenings at rrr.org.au. And because it's almost Radiothon, if you subscribe uh, from this Friday, you'll go in the running to win a whole heap of awesome prizes. So maybe put a, I don't know, a little alert on your phone and make sure you tune in next week for our Radiothon special. And if there are any other 
um, film recommendations uh, or film societies uh, or screening groups that you'd like me to shout out, um, please do get in contact. You can always contact us on our text line, which is 0466 981027. Yeah, and here joining me now in the studio is actually one of Nova's finest. (laughs) (laughs) It's Coco. Hey, Coco. Hello, how you doing? (laughs) I'm good. I'm just so happy that I finally got you on the show. We've been talking about this for a long time. So fun. Sorry if my um, voice is a little hoarse. I went to kiss last night and I was screaming all night. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, that's the only only way to be at a kiss concert, surely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm really excited that I've got you on for this spotlight because we are, of course, talking about Melbourne's film community and, and kind of some of the gems and especially some of the lesser-known gems, I suppose, of these film societies and also screening groups. Um, you're kind of across the board. Like we're both – we're actually both from Perth mm-hmm. and so you're, you're kind of – your film um, career really started over at Luna Cinemas, which yeah. is an independent cinema in Perth um, – there's one in Leadville and also one in Frio. And also there's the Windsor in Netherlands as oh, well. Oh, of yeah, course. Yeah. I yeah. forget that that's part of it as well. Yeah. yeah. And then when did you move over to Melbourne? Uh, about five and a half years ago. Oh, yeah, wow. 2016. Yeah. See, I first met you at Nova, I think. Yes. Probably because I was going there every week yeah. <laughs> um, because I was working across the road at Readings. Um, but you're involved in a whole heap of things. And the thing I, I suppose I'm – most excited to chat with you about is, um, as I mentioned before, and there is a language warning and we might just make some amendments to the name, but Sorry. it is <laughs> Fuck Yeah Films. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I am so excited to chat with you about this. But before we tuck into what that is, um, yeah, I, thought, I suppose tell us a little bit about what um, being part of Melbourne's film community community is like for you so what different things are you involved in um yeah so I basically started uh, working at Nova I think two weeks after I got here um, oh really it was the wow. only place I wanted to work in all of <laughs> Melbourne and yeah. um yeah I f- at first he was like no you're not working here and I got turned <laughs> down I was so devastated and then yeah I started working there and just obviously love it yeah it's the best um and yeah I also host the Cinema Nova Film Club which has um movies once a month um or so they're usually new films as well usually a week before they come out so uh, yeah I host them and then is that with like a, t- a chat afterwards how does it work yeah, yeah so they watch the film and then um we go into the Nova bar afterwards in the little room there and have like film discussions and just nerd out really hard. <laughs> yeah. And I always like make some sort of themed baking thing <laughs> for people to eat That's while we chat. That's so sweet. <laughs> I didn't know about the baked goods. I think if I'd known that, I would have actually um, been there from day one. <laughs> yeah. I made a um, octopus cake for old boy a couple oh, weeks ago. wow. That's so good. <laughs> That's how nerdy I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it, how, when did you start the um, the film club set? Oh, I think it was ever? like maybe two years ago now. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's yeah. gone for a while now and it's always been like well attended and yeah, the chat's always just so much fun just to yeah. hear like feedback from people and there's always such mixed um, reactions to things, which I love. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's a lovely way to interact. Actually, when I first moved to Melbourne, that's one of the first things I did was set up a film screening group. But it was through Melbourne Uni and um, so it's kind of – I did open it up to everyone but it was mainly lots of fellow PhD students um, and their friends. But um, yeah. I, I sometimes I would screen um, very unusual films and sometimes quite controversial or challenging films and there was always that thing of 
almost wanting to apologise to the audience because you know when you've created and you've selected the film, a part of me is like, I hope they like it. Mm, yeah, I feel you. I, I love controversial, like disturbing films. That's kind of my yeah. favourite genre. Yeah. So you're always like, oh, I hope they're not like too <laughs> offended, but nah. Yeah. And also part of the curation is about um, sharing your taste but also exposing people to films that they may have not otherwise heard of. Yes. Um, You've also stepped in a few times with uh, Cine Trivia. You've been the host for Cine Trivia. <laughs> Not very often. That is Alex's. No, that is Alex, amazing. Alex Hines, the wonderful yep. Alex Hines. She's Comedian incredible. and uh, trivia wonder, uh, Alex. Absolutely. But I did step in a couple of times, which was fun because you get to sing. I had a thing where you sang like a theme tune from a movie and that was fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, strangely enough, the, the parts of Cine Trivia, because I've been doing Cine Trivia for many, many years with um, another triple R um, broadcaster Anthony Carew um, and we were winning we were on a bit of a winning streak for a while and my my personal uh, skill was in when they played a little bit of the trailer I'd be able to work out like oh, oh I know this <laughs> I think I'm because I'm a 90s child so I watched a lot of VHS and you know, would watch all the trailers. Yes. So they're, they're locked in my mind somewhere. <laughs> I love that for you. Yeah. <laughs> but talking of nostalgia, let's get into FEO Films. So how did this first get set up? Um, yeah, so it's at Nighthawks Bar in Collingwood, which is probably my favourite bar in town, to be honest. Um, <laughs> they cool used bar. to play uh, films in their outdoor like um, beer garden like before – 2020 before the world ended um and <laughs> then yeah when things started to open again um I became friends with Leah and Marcus who run the place and I th- I said to them like we should put movies on again can you please let me curate films for you and they're like yeah give it a go and so yeah we just started in March this year and we did um Pink Flamingos to start with which was what awesome. an opener so yeah. did you always know you wanted to start with Pink Flamingos pretty much yeah it's a solid opener it's like super art house it's kind of gross and disturbing which I like um and I also made um poo cakes for everyone to eat in the dog shit scene which was engrossing yeah <laughs> so yeah it was a fun time I feel like that's such a great opener as well because so many John Waters films have that real sense of like cult fandom around them already yes yeah and but also a lot of people hadn't seen it that night as well yeah. which was great showing them what know. was did you get some feedback on what they thought of Pink Flamingos everyone loved it everyone was <laughs> laughing so hard the whole time and people who hadn't seen it were like this was messed up but awesome I was like that's what I wanted (laughs) that is like a wonderful thing to come out of and and also being able to share I feel like with those films yeah okay you might have a really cool home um projector set up you know you might have a really good sound system but there is something about watching those particular films that are just best suited to an audience and I was thinking you know we're talking off air a bit about um I know Nova and, and lots of other cinemas do this, but whether I have, you know, have the regular screening of The Room. Yes. Room. I always get that confused with whether the I room. put The Room. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You don't want to get those two films mixed up. <laughs> yeah. The Room. Um, where it feels like almost a participation sport with viewing that, with like yeah. you're, throwing, you're throwing things at the screen at the set times, you know, there's a real sense of audience participation. Yes, and that's what I try to focus on with FEF Films. Like I yeah. really like to make it kind of interactive and get people into it. Um, like when I did, I think we were talking about Showgirls before, I made a whole entire like interactive sheet of what everyone should do during the film. Oh, and wow. Yeah, and it went so well. It's Yeah, it was like I was so surprised. Like everyone was just so into it from start to finish, <laughs> just like partying 
screaming and shouting the whole time. Um, yeah, so we're going to do it at Nova because it went so well. So yeah, that's, it's going to be that's really thing. exciting. So Showgirls will be the new the room, the new room. Yes. Okay. So it's like the room with lots of nipples. <laughs> There's one thing that's like uh, sips for nips. So every time there's Love a nipple it. on screen, you take a sip of your drink. There's a lot of nipples. <laughs> yeah, I hope that's going on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's um, let's do a bit of a dive into what you have screened as part of FEA Films sure. because um, the lineup is like looking into my DVD collection. So <laughs> yes. I was very happy when this got set up, and also because Nighthawks is nice and local to me. But I also just love the fact. Um, of having, you know, it's lovely having a drink afterwards after you've yes. seen a film. And sometimes if it has been a bit intense. So you've got a good setup there. Yeah. But talk us through the curation because this is really where your expertise comes into play. So, yeah, what have you screened? Okay, so, yeah, we kicked off Pink Flamingos. Um, we also did uh, my one of my very faves by Ton Salons, Welcome to the Dollhouse. That is also one of my faves. Such I love film. Salons. And I don't think he gets enough love. No, I think because his films are like quite gross and disturbing, yeah. like happiness, for example. You know, the subject of pedophilia, not a fun thing, but he does it so well and so clever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so also so house. much humour, surprisingly. I know, he makes it funny somehow. I don't know how. Yeah. Um, we just had Empire Records last week, which was super yeah. fun. I made Rex yeah. Manning cupcakes, which all got eaten, thank God. So and actually I should home. mention that the track I played before, um, Coyote Shivers featuring Renee Zellweger, um, Sugar High, which so was, um, was of course from Empire Records. In fact, all the songs tonight will be from that soundtrack because it's so wonderful. Awesome. <laughs> um, and then we also had American Movie. Uh, documentary. Yeah, so this one is one I wasn't aware of. So the others I, I was across. Can you tell us a bit more about American Movie? Because it sounded fascinating and I unfortunately had a clash so I wasn't able to make the screening. Yeah. Um. Yeah, look, I love a really good documentary, especially a really like niche topic, like mm. a really sort of kitschy thing. Like, yeah, American Movie is um, basically a documentary about a guy who is a mega film buff who just has so much passion for film that he dreams of making this like feature film um, but he has to like finish making a short film to fund the feature film and he has this like best friend who's just like his brain's like fried from acid but he's just like this cute like stoner supporter of his friend and he just does everything with him um, yeah it's more about the characters because they're such big characters in the, in the movie um, but it's such a beautiful like for anyone who loves film especially like the passion behind his efforts with the film are just just gorgeous yeah. <laughs> and hilarious as well. Yeah. And how do you go about um, – is it is it kind of a one-woman curating machine? Is yeah, this, it's all me. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> that is impressive because that's something that is often unseen and like one of the um, things that people may have, you know, if you really enjoyed MIF this year, there's a whole team of programmers that go through all these films and determine what's going to go um, ahead with that. Um, Melbourne Cinematheque, you know, we've got a team of curators as well, um, yeah. all volunteers for Melbourne Cinematheque. But, yeah, we, you know, a lot of work goes into curation. Yeah. Um, these are monthly screenings right now. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah once a so month, yeah. That's a huge workload. How do you, do you yeah. always have it like ticking away in the back of your head? I do, literally, yeah. I'm always thinking about films now, like constantly and what I can do because I do the film club at Nova and this one. So, yeah, I'm constantly thinking of ideas. But yeah. It's good. I love it. Yeah. It's awesome. And you get to couple it with baking and, and baking. lots of activities. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like if you can put something in your mouth during a film, it just gives you more of a sensory experience for the movie and you feel yeah. like you've sort of gone through it a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and kind of I, I think there is something to be said about um, kind of performed fandom. Um, and I don't mean that in like a, um, 
criticism. I think that there's something really lovely about sharing your love of a film or, or sometimes your first entry into a film and it being more of an event. And um, I know that when streaming services first came on the scene and we saw this kind of like anything you watch can be – you can just watch on your laptop or at home. Yeah. But what has been really remarkable to see over this whole time of streaming services is that cinema, um, the love of going to the cinema has not died. And if anything, we've kind of seen, I hate to use the word pivot, but I can't think of another word right now. But we have seen cinemas pivot to show either create more events around um, films yeah so that you know audiences can it's not the same as sitting at home yeah exactly you have to create it you have to make it more of an experience for mm. people to leave their house and leave their laptop behind and go to the <laughs> cinema I mean people always go to the cinema because the cinema is awesome but yeah the more of an event you make it the more people are keen to get involved and yeah. that's why making it interactive is a really good element too like with the room we, we sell out the room most months which is wild which I think it's the wild. same it's got to be like a group of people who go like each time yeah absolutely <laughs> But there's always newbies as well, you know. It's just, yeah. Um, yeah, the more fun you make it, the more people will come. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And for listeners who are really keen to come along to one of the F-Year screenings, um, when's the next one and what are you going to put on? Yeah, so I guess on theme with having seen Kiss last night, <laughs> um, we are going to do Detroit Rock City, which nice. is a very fun, like, Kiss-themed film. Yeah. Um, and it's on, it's always on a Wednesday, so Wednesday, yeah. September 14th. And it's always uh, about 7.30ish. Okay, wonderful. And mm-hmm. so um, is it best just to follow you on Instagram? What's the Yeah, Instagram is probably the best one. Yeah. Or Nighthawks Instagram as well. Yep. Yeah. What's the, what's the handle for FEF Films? For FEF Films. Uh, I think it is just that, isn't it? It's, I, think I think it's is... F uh, asterisk CK, yeah, films. Oh, it's F right? underscore oh, CK, underscore. yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. We got there in the that. end. <laughs> Um, I feel like you've got a very fantastic um, social media presence. So um, I do encourage, even if you're not going to come along to the screenings, just follow. Even if you just want some recommendations, um, throw FEF Films a follow. Um, It is really exciting to see alternative um, film screenings pop up and also just alternative venues as well. Yeah. Um, and tickets, we should mention, are super cheap. Super cheap. Only $5. Come yeah. on. That's Pretty like, much covers my baking costs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like cheaper than a pot, right? Yeah, and we always do like a um, cocktail special that's themed with a film every time as well. So nice. Yeah, it's always fun. <laughs> well, Coco, it has been such a pleasure having you on Primal Thank Screen. You, I'm so glad it finally has happened. Yes, awesome. <laughs> and um, I'll definitely see you at the next screening. You. Thank you. You are listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Um, my name is Flick Ford and tonight I'm spotlighting some of the gems that we've got here in our local film community. Um, earlier today I spoke with – earlier tonight I spoke with Coco from FYF Films, which is a, a monthly screening um, that's held at Nighthawks. And now I am joined by the wonderful Lee Gambon from Cinemaniacs. Lee, are you there? I am. Thank you for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. Going? Yes, I can hear you. I'm glad. It's always a oh, bit nerve-wracking <laughs> doing um, these remote chats. Um, no, I'm so happy to have you on. And listeners will be familiar with your name and your voice because we have had you on Primal Screen many times before. Um, for people who haven't tuned in for those episodes, um, can you just quickly introduce yourself and what you do? 
Yeah, sure. So I I do a lot of different stuff in <laughs> regards know, to film. You, you do so um, much. That's okay. I mean, the focus tonight is, of course, Cinemaniacs and yes. um, film programming. But outside of that, I'm an author of a number of books on film. Um, I also do a lot of work in home media. So do, do a lot of work on Blu-ray and DVD releases. So audio commentaries, video essays, now producing featurettes. Um, so doing a whole range of stuff there. But, yeah, um, yeah, I've been a guest on your show a few times talking about films that have celebrated anniversaries or such and, you know, joined the likes of your good self and Sally Christie, <laughs> who's, of course, part of the Cinemaniacs board, and Emma Westwood, who's a regular um, guest speaker for Cinemaniacs. But, yeah, a whole range of stuff and <laughs> that how I do. Did you, so I don't actually know the answer to this, and I was like, yeah. I've always, I'm always curious about this. How did you actually first get into film, Lee? Oh, it, it's kind of like, it's a really hard, it's an easy question to answer and a really hard one to sort of tangibly give a proper answer. But I reckon I just grew up loving films. Like it was just sort of innate. Yeah. So as a kid, I just was glued in front of the television and um, loved going to the cinema and loved to lurk the video stores and grab <laughs> everything and rent everything um, and just watched everything. And I've, I've spoken about this um, multiple times, but you're the same age I'm assuming or around the same age as me but in the 80s growing up as a child TV programming was awesome like it was really good you'd have really cool um, TV programming all through the day so you'd have great cartoons you'd have talk shows you'd have soap operas you'd have TV shows sitcoms and then movies were just you know amazing so you'd have like comfort films that you'd grow up with as a kid whether it be universal horror movies or you know MGM musicals or some westerns from you know um, Fox or whatever or noirs or um, you know, made for TV movies or, you know, the gamut of horror films that would air. Just everything was so good um, as far as TV programming. So it was kind of like your own education. And I remember like wagging school sometimes just to watch films <laughs> <laughs> and like also staying up way too late to watch movies um, and then getting up way too late for school. It was like, oh, whatever, school can wait. Like films are more important than my education and look where we are now. Anyway, so, so yeah. So, yeah, I think that was something that we were spoiled for. Um, and also the idea of hunting for stuff. So like, yeah. you know, where you'd hear about something or you had all these books, um, you know, you know, you'd find a movie book, you know, horror books, and you'd be haunted by an image from one of the movies and you want to track that movie down. And when you finally see it, it was like, oh, this is like, you know, the Holy Grail. But all that sort of stuff was kind of like part of my culture, I guess. My life was obsessively <laughs> um, involved in loving films and TV. Um, so, yeah, sort of was a natural progression. And then from then... Um, in my teens, as the sort of obsession and love and passion grew, I started to write essays just for myself. Wow. Um, and then I started a fanzine in my 20s and I sort of, um, you know, what kept doing all that sort of stuff. What was the fanzine called? It was, okay, horrible. Gambon's Gorgalore Presents Monster <laughs> Mash. Really embarrassing. Anyway, so that was Wonderful. the <laughs> DIY, you know, 90s. Um, mags and stuff which we all grew up with and then um, I got a gig with Fangoria which was a magazine I grew up loving as a kid so that was awesome and then that sort of moved from there and then um, books I've written a book on eco horror movies I've written a few monographs one on The Howling one on Cujo one on Christine I did a book on 70s film musicals a big overview from 1970 to 1980 about film musicals I did a um, two-part very special episodes um, book which is basically detailing the whole phenomenon of the tv sitcom very special episode phenomenon Um, yeah so things sort of just gradually progressed and then Cinemaniacs was part of that fold yeah Um, so let's let's get into what Cinemaniacs is so how would you define it 
So I guess it's like um, I, I, I do all the programming. So it's kind of like um, showcasing a wide range of films because I'm a big champion of people loving everything, right? You can't say you're a film fan and only like one particular kind of film. <laughs> I just yeah. find that baffling. Yeah. Um, and so what I do with my programming is try and make it so it's kind of, you know, wide reaching and um, that everyone that comes to one thing should come to the next uh, because we want to present films uh, with a context and with sort of, a, a, an angle that might be different from just seeing it without the frills that we bring to the table. But um, yeah, it's sort of, it's actually like now 10 years old. Which, really? Yeah, which freaking, yeah, just. <gasps> Congratulations. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, I know, it's crazy. Oh, it's coming to 10 years. But yeah, so initially my programming was thematically based. So basically it would be like, you know, I'll do an I Love New York season. And then I'd screen things ranging from, you know, Annie to Death Wish, <laughs> you know, like, so like, so the idea was to say, well, these two films are, you know, A, exceptional and B, everyone should love them and C, come to both. And what I found was with the programming and with the culture, people were coming to everything. They were like, oh, this is cool. And, you know, what you guys deliver and what you do and how it's a, a unique experience. I'm going to go and see something that I not normally would go and see, which is what you and Coco were just talking about yeah. um, earlier, which is awesome. Um, P.S. Great programming with the Cinematheque, by the way. I love Imitation oh, of Life. Stunning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One yeah. Of my it, it, although I do like the original more, the Claudette Colbert, Louise Beaver's version, which is beautiful. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but that, the Cirque one's great. Yes. Great. But um, so... I guess that's what sort of, uh, the, that was the idea. And then it was kind of like thematic. So it'd be like a gore season and a season on killer couples and a season on, um, I don't know, best makeup Oscar winners. So we had all this sort of stuff. And then what I did um, with sort of um, what I do with home media work and my journalistic work and my journalistic in, um, ventures, et cetera, was bring people who were involved with the films to um, do video intros or video interviews. So that was a big draw card, I feel, um, yeah, and it still did, is. So it's, so, yeah, so. Sorry to interrupt, Willie. When did that yeah. start? When did you start doing that? Oh, from the beginning. Oh, okay. So, so it was always, yeah, yeah, yeah. you always so wanted to it, make sure that they had that element to it. Yeah. So mm. it was kind of like, um, you know, having that personal experience from people who were involved with the film. So, yeah. like, I guess as a critic and a, as a historian, I'm a massive com- uh, fan or champion of um, – combining both critical analysis and film theory and, mm. you know, um, reading into film and idiosyncratic takes on film, etc. But also if you're talking about a film that was made, say, from the 70s onwards, chances are people are still alive who worked on them. That's so true. why not branch out and actually get them involved somehow? Yeah. Um, so that's what I try and do with my work. So if I'm doing, say, for instance, a commentary track and people are still very much alive and well and worked on the film, I try and reach out and interview them to get all that production history stuff so I like to sort of tie you know that together so it's like yes film analysis and theory and critical assessment etc but also talking to people who worked on it so you have that combo and I think that's really important um and a lot of people are kind of you know they don't they do either one or the other and I think mm. it's good to do both so also, Cinemaniacs is an extension of that is kind yeah. of that kind of thing as well so it's to have that element um as a live experience and I love that I love that you've coupled like you were saying contextualizing films through these talks you know sometimes we can love a film on a particular level and as spectators you you might just have one entry point and when we can actually couple that with either you're having a film historian speak you're having um, a film academic talk maybe about some of the theory that's surrounding it 
it really helps to deepen that love. And I don't know if you get this question yourself, but sometimes I get asked about whether as an academic I can still just enjoy films. And I always think, yes, of course, because there's different layers of enjoyment and interaction. And so you can be thinking about it on a theoretical level. You can be thinking about where it's positioned more generally within that context of the genre or the year that it was made or that Mm -hmm. particular filmmaker. And then you can just be like, I love that film. I just love it as a spectator. And it feels like Cinemaniacs is really good at coupling all three of those different things together. Absolutely. So it's I love what you're saying there because when I work on a title, say, for instance, if I'm doing a commentary and I'm with the film for like a number of weeks where I'm working on, I'm doing heavy-duty research and digging into the archive and yeah. all that stuff, the last thing I want to do after working on it is watch it again. <laughs> However... Like months will pass. I'm like, you know what? I just want to watch that movie purely from a spectator, you know, you know, like as an audience, as a fan. And, and also, like, it's great. Like, it's yeah. like, oh my God, I don't have to think about this intellectually anymore. I can just go, oh yeah, it's a comfort movie. But and also cin- watching it, watching it um, by yourself as research is so different to watching yes. it with an entire audience of people totally. who are um, sometimes watching it for the first time and being introduced to the film or, uh, you know, longtime fans. Yeah, absolutely. And with audiences, you know, God bless them, they're amazing. And half of them haven't seen the film or half of them have seen the film, but they're seeing it with different eyes. Because as you said, when we have guest speakers, whether they be historians, academics, um, people with, in a specialty sort of zone, um, you know, someone who might be really um, an expert in makeup or an expert in cinematography or whatever the case may be, it sort of makes the audience who kind of think they know about the film see something completely different with yeah. the film and then on this viewing, which is great. Um, and then also doing angles. So, like, for instance, if we're screening something like um, uh, Squirm, which is coming up yes. on Friday. Yeah. Yep. Um, the post-film panel, one of my points of discussion is going to be about the influence of Tennessee Williams, which oh. a lot of exploitation cinema fans probably wouldn't even see, right? But yeah. there, there is that in there. It's embedded in that. And Jeff Lieberman comes from theatre and he comes from that world. And when you watch it, you're like, oh, my God, there is so much, you know, that kind of quiet repression and um, the South and, you know, these kind of uh, characters haunted by a dead figure, which is this sort of father figure that's not on the scene anymore, all this stuff that comes yeah. into it. Yeah. Um, so you watch... You watch it with different eyes. And I say I think it's good to take um, different angles from film. And also what I'm a massive fan of is someone who also really champions underdog cinema, which is either genre-based. So there's a lot of people who have, say, for instance, issues with um, horror films or exploitation films or musicals or westerns. They kind of go, oh, I don't like them. You know, it's like, well, really? Like you're speaking like in massive sweeping <laughs> statements here because, because none of them. them are the same. What are you talking? <laughs> and there's like decades of different kinds of films. But what I like to do with that kind of thing and also with uh, the idea of highbrow and lowbrow is kind of like smash all that, dismantle that kind of bullshit. So I say to like people who won't see exploitation movies who only go and see, you know, quote unquote highbrow crap. It's like, well, actually, you know, exploitation cinema is brilliant as well. And there's so much to be said about it. And then also on the flip side of that, people who are just so tunnel vision, you know, blinkers on that will only see, you know, what they saw on Palace Home Show, you know, <laughs> Roadshow video, sorry, uh, in yeah. the 80s and won't watch something from the 50s or 40s. I'm like, well, you're actually missing out and you're doing yeah. yourself a disservice. So it's about like, yeah, just making, uh, not making people, <laughs> that's a bit weird, <laughs> but like basically enlightening people and saying, listen, everything is awesome. All these films are amazing and all these decades are brilliant. And 
you know, all these genres are wonderful and, yeah, embrace all cinema. Well, that's, oh, I think that's a lovely sentiment just in general and especially because we're, you know, talking um, tonight all about film community and I think that one of the things I love so much about, you know, our community here in the city is that it's super diverse and whatever your interests, you can find something that plays that. But more so with these film societies, these film screening groups, you are um, exposing people to something they wouldn't otherwise perhaps have access to. Some of the films you screen are quite hard to track down, so I'm always impressed when you get a hold of them. Um, and some of them, you know, yeah, sure, faves of um, and people who are really into exploitation cinema or know a lot about that particular genre, they might have already seen them. But on the whole, you are really putting a spotlight there's a huge amount of responsibility on tracking down these films and chatting to Coco before and chatting with you now I'm really amazed that both of you do this huge amount of workload in curating these seasons so can you tell us a bit more about what you've programmed and and kind of some of the highlights for you well, I mean, so from the past or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what have yeah, you heard before? I mean, Just there's so we, many, so many. <laughs> so for instance, like we screened Mask, Peter Bogdanovich's Mask, and Peter Bogdanovich we just lost recently. Mm. And it was an absolute gift that he did this huge interview um, for us for that screening. And the conversation he had with our um, uh, correspondent, I guess, um, in LA, Camilla Jackson, who worked a lot with us in the early days, um, was beautiful like just beautiful profound stuff we had Rosanna Arquette doing an intro a big interview intro for Desperately Seeking Susan um you know so there's been a lot of amazing people Charles Strauss talking about Annie writing them songs for Annie Stuart Margolin talking about Death Wish we had um, people from Fame um doing video intros for Fame so there's a lot of highlights as far as that's concerned however if I was to talk about local stuff, it was uh, um, <clears throat> me and my team pulling off festivals. <laughs> we did a hag exploitation film festival, so the Grand Dame Guanal um, subgenre of horror movies, which were basically these amazing, you know, as you know, this wave of horror films where elder, uh, you know, mature age, quote unquote, mature aged actresses who were, you know, past their ingenue states, um, were doing these horror films and in the foreground as these amazing, complex, crazy women. And so we did a whole festival about that and around that. And then we did a Toby Hooper retrospective. So it's like the festivals just did really beautifully and we hope to do more of that soon. But um, other highlights is just hearing the talks from all these people. And like you said about Melbourne, we are really spoilt for amazing film critics and academics. So I could listen to people like Alexandra Hallenicholas talk forever on stuff. So when she did an introduction for something like The Entity, it was just so moving, um, you know, uh, which is amazing. Like, you know, this horror film that is terrifying, but when you have Alexandra talking, you're like, this is really profound, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Like, so brilliant. Um, Craig Martin, I could listen to him forever. Um, Emma Westwood again. Um, you know, all these people that we're so blessed with in this city who have such really cool, interesting takes on stuff. Angela Naglianis, um, Eloise Ross. There's all these wonderful people um, who have so much to bring to the table. And I think that's something to really champion and um look out for and watch for so when I did this year's programming with Acme so we're at Acme now so it's a you know it's a brand new thing which is amazing we love being there beautiful cinema 
I was like, yeah, I was like, you let, I want to introduce people to a whole range of stuff that I'm obsessed with and love, but also be wide ranging. So it's not so much, I guess, quote unquote, trapped in thematics. And so for also, instance, we're going from like, oh, you know, a killer worm movie to like <laughs> an unmarried woman, which is like one of the most important films of the Hollywood feminist reform of the seventies, um, you know, which is an amazing film. And I've got this incredible writer and academic, um, uh, Maya Montanez Smuckler, who wrote an amazing book called Liberating Hollywood about women directors of the 70s. And she's doing a whole video essay for an unmarried woman, um, which is going to be awesome. Not that an unmarried woman is directed by a, a woman. Um, it's a Paul Mazursky film, of course. But, you know, it's it's so important um, as far as that 70s um, amazing wave of the, the feminist reform films. So that's my, that's the whole point, like to have it so different, you know, to have Squirm and then, you know, unmarried woman and the same program it kind of makes people go, oh, you know, cool. This is cool. This is a whole culture. And it's about building film culture and film community. And we've got beautiful regulars that come all the time who, you know, we love and they're the best. And then we're building and there's a wide range and diverse audience. So this year, um, our three most sort of popular seasons were Ordinary People, All That Jazz and Creep Show. So there you go. That's like three completely radically different films. But the audiences just were amazing and also just took so much from these films. So when I did the lecture for Ordinary People, I discussed a whole right range of things from, you know, people stepping outside of comfort zones and doing something radically different. So talking about Mary Tyler Moore um, being so loved and beloved as she should be, she's, you know, our, one of our queens, uh, but then playing this role, which was so horrible, <laughs> so cold. And then Robert Redford coming off, you know, being sort of, I guess, the quote unquote kind of poster boy for 70s hunkdom and then doing a, being a director on mm. this film. So, you know, and then outside of that, talking about teen suicide, all this sort of stuff. And people were like, oh, my God, bringing all that to the table just enriches the, the viewing. Um, and then all that jazz, Emma Westwood did this great talk where she, you know, really, really highlighted the work of, say, Gwen Verdon um, and her influence on someone like Bob Fosse, who gets lauded all the time. Um, but, you know, having someone, a spotlight on someone like Gwen is really important. And then the panel discussion for Creepshow, which was fronted by Sally Christie, was awesome. It just ranged from talking about EC Comics, which is the horror comics from the 50s, to like Tom Savini's makeup, to Stephen King. So it was this wide ranging, wide reaching sort of stuff, which was awesome. So I think that all helps, I think. And like, it just brings everything to the fold. So as far as like highlights, everything is a highlight. I think every screening <laughs> has been awesome and just so unique, uniquely different. Well, I'm always impressed. And sorry for listeners who have just tuned in and um, are curious to know who I'm speaking with. This is indeed Lee Gambon uh, from Cinemaniacs. And Lee, one of the things I'm always curious about is, you know, when you create, you know, you've got this new venue at Acme, you've got these fantastic speakers who are going to talk and help contextualise the films and, and kind of add this huge amount of depth to it. What are those post-screenings uh, discussions like with the audience? Have you had people come up and say, what was that? Or, you know, have, have you had any really strong reactions from people? Yeah, I think the best thing is when people think they know the film. And then they come back and they're like, holy shit, I didn't remember it being so grim or I don't remember it being so... Um, I don't know, extreme, or um, I didn't, I didn't remember. Blah 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 was in it, you know that yeah. kind of thing. So that's one thing that I've always liked. Also, what I really love is people who've never seen stuff seeing it for the first time, and people who never would normally see that kind of film seeing it and just being wowed and floored by it. That makes me happy because I actually, I, it's bizarre, and I think you've mentioned this before, but I kind of get a bit um 
uh, it's, it's a bit of a personal reaction when people don't love the films I love. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't fucking make them, but, like, it doesn't matter. It's kind of like you've got this real beautiful attachment, I think, and it's, like, yeah. long-going. Like, it's, you know, because I, I, like, most of the movies that I screen, I've watched in childhood. Yes, mm. I watched, you know, extreme amounts of stuff in childhood. Um, and they were formative and teenhood as well. So there's a relationship with them. So therefore, mm. when someone's like, oh, Lee, yeah, no, nah, I can't get into, you know, I don't know, they shoot horses, don't they? It's just, it's too, you know, depressing, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm, and I get upset about that. Yeah. Really? Come on. Anyway, <laughs> so like, so that I kind of thing. I went... not to as well. I, I do exactly <laughs> the same if I really love something and someone's like, oh, that was terrible. I, I find it hard not to be like, mm. Maybe I'm just yeah. argumentative and I'm like, no, you're incorrect. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. And um, also just I think um, film culture is so varied as far as what it does in Melbourne. Like yeah. there's, you know, so like for instance, you know, I'm a critic and historian who doesn't bring the conversation to um, talking about films in, say, a political landscape of today. I just mm. don't. So, for instance, if someone was like, oh, that film's a little bit dated in its politics, I'm like, well, okay, that's cool. You can have that discussion, but I'm, I'm going to bring something totally different to that and I'm not going to talk about that kind of thing because there's plenty of you doing that. Yeah, and I So think that we, kind of thing I think is interesting. It. Yeah, we need all of that for a healthy community though because I feel like I, I can't help but see films with a political lens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but and I, that's cool I, as well. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I actually love that there's different takes on it and you can be watching and even like with, with some of these discussions that your screenings provoke is that you watch it and you've got a completely different take or you just hear, a, you know, a, a film historian talking about it is so different to someone whose main focus is perhaps on, um, you know, screen representations or something like that. Yeah. Where we, we've got yeah. completely different takes on it. Um, I love all of that stuff though. Same. <laughs> So, like and I'm debate, obsessed with screen screen representation. You know, yeah. I grew up with reading Molly Haskell and Donald Bogle and Vito Russo. You know, these are my lead, these are my yeah. kings and queens. You know, and I love all that. Um, and I think bringing that to the fold as well is really important. But also having those kind of conversations where, you know, um, one thing doesn't have to be um, representative of all, and yeah. you know, you can have these kind of healthy, strong conversations where it's all about different dynamics and diversity, yeah, um, and all that stuff. It's fabulous. It's good stuff, mm. and it's good to open up that discussion. Um, but also, yeah, I really, I'm obsessed with people who have like really specific specialties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that is just unreal. Like when yeah. you have people talking about. Say, for instance, I don't know, um, a, 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 kind, a profession in film history. So, like, a, a take on, I don't know, um, union workers throughout film history. It's like, okay, who are, like, these people need to be my friends. You know, that's, that's <laughs> unreal. Like, so that kind totally. of thing is really cool and I love doing that. And also with, like, all my work with home media, it's really fun to deep dive into that research. Like, recently, um, with that sort of going off topic too much, but it is related, I worked on a film um, called When Tomorrow Comes, which is about um, Irene Dunn plays this socialist, um, amazing um, woman, young woman who's, like, really militantly leftist and she um, works um, as a waitress and she sort of starts to organise these union strikes. So I was deep diving into what was happening in, like, 30s New York and researched all this stuff about these women, these waitresses striking because they were being totally underpaid. Mm. I was like, this is amazing. So just yeah. that kind of thing where film culture starts to really educate you about actual history. Yeah. So like, yeah, and me and Alexandra laugh about this all the time. It's like we, le you know, we, we've learned about history through film history. <laughs> well, and that's <laughs> the thing. Yeah, and it doesn't just need to be 
every documentary. I feel like film yep. is such a rich um, ground for not only those conversations, like we said, post-screening, but also just, yeah, just as the, the spectator themselves of what you learn and what you pick up and um, exposing yourself to completely different stories. And I think that's why I love film as well. And I, I really love that Cinemaniacs exists, that you exist as well, Lee. <laughs> Because <laughs> I feel you. as though what you contribute to our local film community here is this real kind of almost like radical um, presence in being able to remind us like, hey, don't forget about these films or how about mm. this? And it's um, it's really that curation that I think is is so special. Um, and for people who would like to come along to your next screening, uh, what are the details? Yeah, so it's Friday night at Acme. I think we, yeah, we kick off at 7.30 with the film and then there's a post-film discussion. Um, and on the panel, we have Jarrett Garn, who um, runs Monster Fest. Um, we've got John Harrison, who is a longtime writer and critic and historian, who's done a lot of stuff. Michael Helms, who created Fatal Visions, and Adam Ross, who's a film critic as well. Very male, <laughs> but then but our creep show panel was all broads. <laughs> so I don't. It was just a matter of who loved the film most, I guess. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so that's happening on Friday night. Yes. So um, ultimately the rest of this year, every last Friday is a screening. After that, we've got Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which is one of my favourite movies about a band. Um, And the Carrie Nations are one of the best bands ever in film history. Um, We've got um, Child's Play 2, uh, which is actually one of my favourite horror sequels, like modern horror sequels. Um, And I say modern because, yes, it is, even though it's like it's from 1990. (laughs) I think anything after 1970 is modern. Um, And then also um, An Unmarried Woman um, in November. And then December, you were talking to Coco about Pink Flamingos. We actually have Female Trouble. Um, nice. Another, well, actually, my favorite John Waters film, and John Waters himself is going to be doing a video intro. No way! Okay, yeah. we can't miss that. Um, so, where's the best place for people to head for more info? Uh, I guess our Facebook page yeah. <clears throat> and our Instagram page, and then also, yeah, just go to Acme's site and just chuck in some Cinemaniacs, and all the stuff comes up there. It's all it's all readily available. Wonderful, Lee. It has been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. My name is Flick. A big thank you to Coco from FEF Films and Lee Gamvin from Cinemaniacs for joining me tonight. Thanks for listening to Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. 